thank you. Appreciate the good worship tonight. Praise the Lord. All right. I will do my best not to hold you long tonight, okay? Um, but I want to go, I want to just share, I want to share a thought with you tonight. And uh, been on my heart this week, the last couple of days. Uh, I want to begin, I'm going to read in two places tonight. First, I want you to turn to the book of Genesis. Would you please, the book of Genesis, the last chapter of the book of Genesis, the 50th chapter. And then we're going to go from there. I'm going to read a couple of verses, passage of Scripture from Genesis chapter 50. And then from there, let's go all the way back over to the New Testament, to the book of Hebrews, okay, to chapter number 11. So Genesis chapter 50 and Hebrews chapter 11. Have you got it tonight? Everybody got it? You there? Praise the Lord. Genesis chapter 50 and verse number 22 is where we'll begin with. Genesis 50 and 22. And Joseph dwelt in Egypt, he and his father's house. And Joseph lived 110 years. And Joseph saw Ephraim's children of the third generation. The children also of Maker and the, and the sons of Manasseh were brought up upon Joseph's knees. And Joseph said, notice this, And Joseph said to his brethren, I die and God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land into the land which he sware to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from hence. So Joseph died, being 110 years old, and they embalmed him and put him in a coffin in Egypt. It's amazing the book of Genesis begins with God breathing life into man and the book of Genesis ends with a coffin in Egypt. But notice what he said, God will visit you, he will surely visit you and bring you out of the land, bring you out of this land into the land which he swore to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And he made, he swore an oath of the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from hence. And then over in Hebrews chapter number 11. How many knows what the 11th chapter of Hebrews is? It's the hall of faith, isn't it? Hebrews chapter number 11 and verse 22. What we just read to you from Genesis 50 is mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 22 says, By faith Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. I want to talk to you for just a few moments on the bones of Joseph tonight. The bones of Joseph. Father, take uh, the word tonight that we minister, apply it to the hearts of your people. Lord, may this message tonight instill faith in our hearts to build our faith, strengthen our faith. You know the needs of your people tonight, and I'm asking you to meet every need. Anoint me tonight with your Holy Spirit and give me the words. Help me to be 
your mouthpiece tonight to speak as you would so desire. And I give you praise for it in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. Amen. All right. You know, the dying words are the last words of an individual are usually some of the best remembered words of that person. And um, many times the last words that a person speaks before their death is uh, actually a mirror into their soul. You can see what's really in them by those final words. Shortly before John Wesley died, some of the last words that he said were, uh, he said, best of all, God is with us. And then his final word was farewell. He knew that he was going to be with the Lord. And so his last words were interesting. But the last words here in this passage of Scripture that I read to you tonight are the last words of the patriarch Joseph. We've talked a little bit about Joseph um, on Wednesday nights and um, his, his dealings with his brothers and how they treated him. But here Joseph says... In his final hours, in his last words, he tells the people of Israel, he tells his brethren, he says, I'm getting ready to die. But he said, God is going to visit you. And he will bring you out of this land into the land which he swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He makes them a promise. He makes a statement, a declaration here of what he believed. Joseph here was now 110 years old. He'd been in Egypt for some 93 years, and it was that long since he'd been sold into slavery. He had been blessed there. He'd been blessed to see his grandchildren, to see even his great-grandchildren. He had the blessing of the Lord upon his life. And um, here he's getting ready to die, and in his dying words, he made an unusual request. And uh, in this request, he asks his family, he makes his family swear to honor this request. And uh, in these dying words, he probably also made the greatest statement of his life. It was a great statement of faith. And these words that Joseph spoke are so important because they are recorded in Hebrews chapter 11 in the recordings of the patriarchs of faith. By faith, I mean, that's, the, that's God's hall of fame. And these words that he spoke here in Genesis 50 are recorded in this chapter of Hebrews chapter 11. His words, his final words were words of faith and they demonstrate and they define what biblical faith is. I think you can take what Joseph said here and we can get a revelation from this passage on exactly what faith is. How many of y'all know that faith is an important thing in our life, a very, very important thing? Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty two to have faith in God. Well, that's very important that our faith be anchored in God, that our faith be anchored in the, the Word of God, the promises of God, that our faith be planted in the Lord Jesus Christ and anchored in Him and what He's done for us at the cross. But the words that Joseph spoke here are words of faith and demonstrate that faith. And so, 
You know, we, we understand the importance of faith in that everything that you receive from the Lord, everything comes through faith. You're not going to receive anything from the Lord at all if you're not going to believe Him for it. And that begins with getting born again and coming into the family of God and being saved. It comes through faith. It's by faith. Amen. By grace you are saved through faith and that not of yourself. It's the gift of God. And so we understand the importance of faith and we're going to look at that a little bit more here in just a moment. But I want us to look at Joseph and learn something about the faith of Joseph because he's, he demonstrates his faith and, and in such a great way. And the first the request is here that in the request that Joseph made that we read to you, he expresses his faith. We read in this request that was made uh, and we see an expression of faith. And the writer of Hebrews says that it was an expression of faith. The writer of Hebrews says it was by faith that Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel concerning, uh, uh, concerning his, his bones, and he gave commandment concerning his bones. The request that Joseph made was a request that concerned his burial. He's getting ready to die, and uh, he's making a request concerning his burial, his future, what to do with his bones. And we notice in verse 26 that, that, that Joseph, when he did die, what they do with him? He was embalmed, it says, and he was put in a coffin. Now, there was nothing that was said about his burial. There was nothing that was mentioned about him being buried. There was no granite temple, no magnificent pyramid, no elaborate tomb, uh, no well-marked grave that was set up for Joseph to be buried in. The Bible just says that he was mummified and he was embalmed, the scripture said, mummified and placed in a coffin there in Egypt. And for hundreds of years, there was Joseph's body with no burial at all for him, but Joseph's body was laying there in, in state for these many, many years, just waiting for the promise to be fulfilled that when Israel left Egypt, that they would carry his bones to the promised land and bury him there. Now the request that Joseph made concerning his bones, when he made his family swear that one day that they would carry his bones out of Egypt and take them to Canaan, he, he puts his burial on hold until that future time when they're going to, and notice his faith. He said, you're going to leave this place. You're not going to stay here forever. You're going to leave this place. And he said, I'm putting my burial on hold. You preserve my bones and carry them out of here with you when you leave and return to the land of Canaan. And this request that Joseph made was a request that concerned his beliefs, concerned what he believed. It revealed that even even though Egypt had been his home for some 90 years, his heart was still in Canaan. His heart was still, he's been there for 93 years in Egypt. He enjoyed the pomp and the prosperity of Egypt. But you know what? His, his heart was not there. His affections were not set on earthly things, but his affections were set on eternal things. And I believe this is something that, that, is, that is brought out in this passage. 
And in spite of Joseph's wealth, in spite of his position in Egypt, he, he still considered himself a stranger and a pilgrim in that land. He knew that Canaan land was his home, that Canaan was where he wanted to be buried. He didn't want his bones to stay in some tomb, in some pyramid, some place there in Egypt, but he wanted them to carry his bones out. And so his heart was in that promised land. I think that's the way all of us need to be as Christians to understand and to realize we're just traveling. This world is not our home. We're just here temporarily and we're just passing through. Amen. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Can I get an amen tonight? And so this reveals, though, something to us about Joseph. It reveals to us his faith. As I said, Hebrews eleven twenty two points that out, that it reveals the faith that Joseph had. Now, the Bible says that we walk by faith and not by sight. I've made this statement before that faith is kind of a sixth sense that God gives to us, you know, that we, I preached here a few Sundays ago about seeing Him who is invisible. We've got to be able to see God and see the future by the eye of faith and see the promises and what God has in store for us by the eye of faith. And we live our life by faith. We walk by faith. Our life every single day is lived by faith. The book of Habakkuk, and Paul quotes it in Romans and other places, but it makes the statement that says that the just, those that's you and I, the just shall live by faith. As I said, we get saved, we're saved by faith, but our life, every, our everyday life and walk is a walk of faith. And so the request that Joseph makes of his, of his family concerning his bones, it shows that he walked by faith and lived by faith. Now, the Bible speaks here of the importance of faith in the believer's life. And I know you know this, but it's so important that we remember it because the Bible says in Hebrews 11 and 6 that without faith, it's what? It's impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must what? Must believe. Believe what? Must believe that He is, that He exists. And not only that, but we must believe that God is a rewarder of them that diligently, and I like that word. We need to get a hold of that. A rewarder of them that diligently, not casually seek Him, but diligently seek Him. But the importance of faith is made known in that verse of Scripture in the believer's life. Faith is important. Faith is vital. According to Hebrews eleven six. faith is vital to you and I being pleasing unto the Lord. The Lord doesn't have any pleasure or get any pleasure out of you or me when we're operating in doubt and unbelief. When we're doubting His Word and doubting His promises, He's not pleased with that. But what He is pleased with is when He sees us planting our faith firmly in the promises of God and believing what He has said in His Word. I believe I'm looking at some folks here tonight that are believers and have some faith. Does anybody have any faith here tonight? Praise God. Amen. 
But the Bible speaks of how vital that is that we have faith. And the Bible talks about different um, measures of faith, different, um, different degrees of faith. The Bible talks about those that had little faith. Remember Jesus, Jesus, how many, you know, several times said to his disciples, Oh, ye of little faith, wherefore did you doubt? Uh, the Bible talks of little faith. It also speaks of weak faith. It talks about, and Jesus said this to his disciples as well. He said, you're slow of heart to believe. And I think there's a lot of people that fall in. I, you know, I've been in that category before, I think. And the Lord's probably had to say that to me before. Why are you so slow to believe me? Amen? We need to, we need to be quick to grasp a hold of the Word of God and believe what He has said in His promises, in His, in His book. Now, the Bible also speaks of great faith. And it speaks of strong faith. Now, I don't know about you, but that's the category I'd like to be in. I want to be in that category of great faith. That's what Jesus said to the centurion. You know, he said, I've not seen such great faith. No, not in Israel. Remember the Syrophoenician woman that came to Jesus concerning her daughter being healed? And, and, and you know, she, well, I preached on her here a while back, you know, about, she said, I'll just take the crumbs that fall from the table. Amen. And Jesus what he say to her? He said, woman, great is your faith. Be it unto you even as you have believed. So there's great faith. I want to be in that category. The Bible also talks of strong faith. Just as I mentioned that faith can be weak, faith can also be strong. And it's up to you, what we, you and I, what we do to, to determine whether our faith is strong or whether our faith is weak. Amen? If you feed your faith, it's going to grow. If you feed your faith, it's going to get stronger. If you neglect your faith and don't use your faith or feed your faith, your faith is going to get weak. Your faith is going to get small. Amen? But we want our faith to be strong. We want our faith to be fed on the Word of God. And this is what feeds. This is the, this is the food right here for your faith. Amen? This is the food for your faith, is the Word of God, the Holy Bible, the Scriptures. Faith comes, the Bible said, by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. That's why it is important to, to, to get in that book and read and study the Word and meditate on it every day. That's why it is important to come to church and hear the teaching and the preaching. Sunday school's important, and Wednesday nights, and Sunday morning, Sunday night, when we get to hear hear the Word of God being preached and being taught to feed our faith, to grow our faith. Amen? See, listen, faith, you know, faith can be likened, and people have, have, have used this illustration before. It's not something original with me, but faith is like a muscle. That has to be, the more you exercise that muscle, the stronger that muscle becomes. And you can tie your arm up or whatever and, and not never use it or exercise it and that muscle will just waste away. There has to be um, exercising of that muscle to have the strength that we need to have. You develop it, you, you, know, you, you work out or whatever, you know, and pump iron or whatever to build up those muscles. Well, in the spiritual, 
spiritual realm, we need to be doing that as well. And that's why it's so important that when we go through, um, when we go through opposition, when we go through times of testing, when we go through times of trial, those are opportunities. Are, is anybody here now? Those are opportunities for us to exercise our faith, to use our faith. And, 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 and you know, I know, I know people said, I know there's those out there that say that trials and tests don't develop you or don't develop faith. And that the Bible doesn't, doesn't teach anything like that. It does teach that through those fiery trials, we have the opportunity to use our faith, to develop our faith, to strengthen our faith. Amen. Going through trials won't give you faith. You get that from the Word of God. But going through those times of opposition and testing, it's just like strength, you know, training, resistance training. Your faith muscle is built up and gets stronger and stronger. How many wants to have strong faith tonight? Faith in Jesus. Faith in His finished work. Faith in the Word of God. Amen. Hallelujah. When you've got strong faith, you can stand against the enemy. What is one of the weapons of our warfare is the shield. He said, above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Come on, somebody say amen. Woo, hallelujah. Help me preach just a little bit tonight so we can get, get done. Inactivity of our faith leaves faith weak and ineffective. But it's by faith, according to Hebrews eleven twenty two, by faith that Joseph made mention of his bones. What he said was an expression of his faith. Don't leave my bones. And he said, God will surely visit you. It's an expression of what he believed. Now, now notice this. Notice this. The reason that the reason here that explains Joseph's faith. There's something that explains faith. Because we, we want to know what is faith? What is it? There's all kinds of teaching on faith. The Bible definition is given in Hebrews 11 and 1 that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. But there's something that Joseph gives here. The reason for Joseph's faith explains what faith really is. Because listen, the revelation, here's, what, here's, here's the foundation. You want to know the foundation of our faith? The foundation, the revelation of God's Word is the foundation of our faith. Now Joseph said this twice. Two different times in verse 24 and 25 there of that 50th chapter of Genesis, he said, God will surely visit you. Now notice, Joseph didn't say, I really hope y'all get out of here. I really hope God does something. I really hope God doesn't leave you here. But two different times, he made this declaration and he said, look at it with me. And God, and God will surely visit you. Not maybe, not a hope he does, but God will surely visit you. What is Joseph doing? Joseph is saying and declaring what he believes and what he knows to be true. Come on, somebody. 
Oh, hallelujah. When we know something's true, we need to declare what God says and, and let everybody know this is what, the and let the devil know this is what God's word says. This is what the Bible says. Amen? So what made Joseph, what made him so sure? Why, was he, why could he say, surely God will visit you? There was something here that made him sure about what God was going to do in the future. And I can tell you what made Joseph sure about what God, how would you like to be sure of, of what God's going to do for you in the future? I'm not saying we look into the future and know everything that's going to happen, but I can tell you based on the Word of God that you can have a surety that God's going to take care of you in the future, tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the day. God is going to visit you, and God's got something special for you and for your life. Do you believe that tonight? Woo! So it, what was it? What was it that gave Joseph that assurance? Joseph, listen to me. Joseph had that assurance because of what God had said in the past. Now I want you to get a hold of this. Because what God had already said is what Joseph has based his faith on. Which is the word of God. In Genesis 15... The Lord appeared to Abraham. God appeared to Abraham and listen to what God said to Abraham. He gave Abraham a prophetic word. And he said to Abram, Know of a surety that your seed shall be a stranger in the land that is not theirs and shall serve them and they will afflict them 400 years. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge. And notice this. And afterward shall they come out with great substance. God told this to Abraham a long time before Israel ever went to Egypt. He made it known. He foretold that Abraham's seed, the people of Israel, were going to live in another land. Now that part of it had already come true. He knew that the rest, and Joseph knowing that promise, knew that the rest would always come to pass just as God had said that it would. Amen? How many believe when God says something, it's what he means he'll do it? That his word's going to come to pass. And so the reason for Joseph's request was because of what God had said and what God had promised. See, this is the foundation of faith. That's the foundation of what we believe. It's not based upon some whim or some notion I have. But faith is not based on a word from some um, prophet or apostle that prophesies over me or you. Are you listening to me? So many people get themselves in such a mess and their lives in such a mess because they're basing their faith and guiding their life by some word that somebody spoke over them. You need to get, you need to get a hold of this word. Somebody said, have you got a word for me? I got a whole book full of words for you. You need to get a hold of this book and get a hold of this word word. Amen. Because this right here that I hold in my hand, this is the foundation of what you believe in the foundation of your faith. You've got to believe that what God said, and see, that's exactly what Joseph was doing. He was believing that what God said was true. Amen. That's the foundation of faith. 
Charles Wesley once was engaged in a discussion uh, with some people on the subject of faith and no one was able to furnish him a satisfactory definition. They were just trying to figure out what is faith? What does it actually mean? And so finally... Wesley said, well, let's go down here and talk to sister so-and-so. He knew that this dear sister was a woman that was a woman of faith that had lived for the Lord and, and was a prayer warrior. He said, let's go talk to her because she can tell us what faith is because I know her and she's constantly exercising faith. She's a woman of faith. So they went down and they asked this woman what the definition of faith was. What is her definition of faith? And she just simply said to them, it's taking God at his word. Faith is taking God at his word. And Charles Wesley responded and he said, you know what? That will do. Hallelujah. That will do. That will do. Because that is exactly what faith is, is simply taking God at his word. And knowing that if he said it, he will do it. If he spoke it, he will bring it to pass. If we will believe him, we'll see the manifestation of that faith take place in our life. Can I get an amen? amen? Hallelujah. Paul writing to the Romans gives the example of the faith of Abraham and I love uh, what he says about Abraham in Romans chapter 4 if you want to go there with me. In Romans chapter 4 and verse 19 he says, and being not weak. Now, he's describing Abraham and how, you know the story. You know the story of Abraham. He's 100. His wife is 90. Sarah's 90. God has made them a promise when Abraham was 75 years old. God's made them a promise that, that, that Sarah's going to have a son and that the seed of Sarah and Abraham uh, is going to be like the sand of the sea, that Abraham is going to be uh, a father of multitude. And here he is now waiting 25 years, and this hadn't happened yet. And so here's Abraham. You know, he's, uh, he's, he's got to believe the Lord. It's, it, it takes faith. God has given him a promise, so what's he going to do with the promise? And the Bible says in Romans 4.19 that Abraham being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. So he's not considering the adversity that he's facing. You know, he's looking at Sarah, she's 90. He looks at himself, he's 100. And, and, you know, I mean, the, the, the thoughts are there, you know, the, the enemy's there. I, this ain't happening. You know, this just ain't happening. This is impossible. It can't happen. You're past the age of, of, of having kids. You're too old. It can't happen. Never has happened before. That can't happen. Amen? But you know what the Bible said? It said there that he did not consider his own body, or the deadness of Sarah's womb. But notice what, notice what it said. Verse 20, it said that he staggered not at the promise of God. He staggered or wavered not at the promise of God. See, all of the adverse circumstances could not make Abraham doubt what God had promised him. Abraham was saying, you know what? I don't care what my body looks like. I don't care how old I am. I don't care what the situation may be. I know I have a promise from God and I will not waver because I have a promise from all. Almighty God. 
Well, glory to God, amen? He staggered or wavered not at the promise of God through unbelief. But notice, notice this, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, giving glory to God. And be, see, when you're strong in faith, you can give glory to God and praise God for the answer. Praise God because of the promise. He was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Notice this, verse 21, and being fully persuaded. And that's where we gotta get to. That's where we've gotta get to. And being fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able also to perform. This is where God's trying to get the church. This is where he's trying to get you and me to become fully persuaded that what he has promised, if he's made a promise, he is able to do what he said that he would do and to fulfill his promise in our life. Amen. Do you believe that tonight? See, listen to me, church. Faith is not just a leap in the dark. Faith is not following a hunch. Faith is not just, you know, claiming whatever you desire. Faith is taking God at His word and being fully persuaded in the promise of God that the Lord will do what He said that He would do. Amen. It's resting on the word of God and resting on what God says, hallelujah, amen. Amen. All of his plans hinged on what he knew would come to pass. And I'm talking about Joseph now. All of his plans hinged on what he knew would come to pass because God said that it would come to pass. And see, it's when we actually take God at his word and we rest in what he says that faith becomes a power that operates in our life. It's trusting. It's resting. It's just believing. Glory. Glory be to God, hallelujah. It's like when you put your faith in Christ to get saved. You know, you're not, you're not working for it. It's not of works, amen, but it's simply by faith. Faith is not a work. Faith is just simply resting on the promise and on the word of God. Can you get that? Can you see that tonight? Woo, hallelujah. That's the answer to our fretfulness. That's the answer to our worry. That's the answer to our fearfulness. It's just taking God at His word. If we really trusted Him, if we really believed Him, if we really were resting upon His word as we should, we wouldn't be fearful and worried and full of anxiety and fretting all the time because our trust would be solely and totally in Him and what He could do and what He has promised to do for us in our life. Amen? It's the lack of faith that's the culprit in our troubled hearts and and, and causing the trouble and the anxiety in the Christian life. It's that lack of faith and trusting in the Lord. Always worrying about, you know, the worst is going to come. This is going to happen. Praise God. I mean, the worst thing that could possibly, the worst scenario could happen to you is that you would die and go to heaven and walk streets of gold and be in a mansion. (laughs) Glory to God. Glory to God. Whether you believe that or not, if you're trusting, that's what faith believes, amen? Paul said, it doesn't matter whether I live or die, I'm gonna glorify the Lord Jesus Christ for me to live as Christ, to die is gain, hallelujah. Woo, 
glory to God. The devil don't know what to, what to do with somebody like that. That's just trusting in the promises of God, trusting in the word of God, amen. That's what the Lord's trying to get us to do. Hallelujah. Where does that assurance come from? You know, when you get saved and, and you put your faith in Christ, you have an assurance of salvation. Satan will try to steal that from you. The devil will try to take that assurance. The devil will come and say, you're not really saved. Anybody ever have that happen? You're not really saved. You just thought you got saved. God doesn't love you. The Lord's forsaken you. What's the foundation you got to go back to? Where does that assurance of salvation come from? Listen, if you believe the lies of the devil when he tells you you're not saved, you're going to be under condemnation. You're going to feel all kinds of stuff. You're not going to have the assurance of that salvation. But oh, if you'll rest upon the promise of God and say, devil, looky, here it is. I believe what the word of God says. I have placed my faith in the finished work of Christ and I am a child child of Almighty God. Woo! Hallelujah! The devil has to pack his bags and go. If you submit yourself to God and resist the devil, he will flee from you. Praise God. Amen. Oh, thank God for Sunday night church. Hallelujah. I mean, it comes, you know, that assurance is the result of faith being operative in our life. Whether it's salvation, whether it's healing, whether it's the baptism in the Holy Spirit, whether it's victory in our life over, over some besetting sin, whether it's an answer to prayer for God to meet our need, it's all the same faith. It's, it's not different kinds of faith. There's one faith, and the object of that faith is Jesus Christ. Every promise, listen, every promise in this book that that. that that is for you and I as a believer today was put into effect through the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. He bought and paid for everything that you will ever need in this life. Hallelujah. You've got to put your faith in him. You've got to believe in him. You've got to trust in him. He'll see you through. He'll heal your body. He'll save your family. He'll move in your life. He'll fill you with the Holy Ghost. He'll meet your need, but you got to trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Woo! My, my, my. Oh, I'm getting my, I'm getting my steps in tonight. Amen? Joseph knew what God said, so therefore he acted on what God said. And what God said is the foundation of our faith. And then believing and acting on what God said brings that faith into fruition, brings the results, the, 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 uh, the fruit of faith. We see the manifestation of it then in our life when we act upon it. So it's like a sinner believing the word about salvation. When they act upon it, come forward and confess Christ and accept Him as Savior. And they're acting upon that faith, believing and confessing. If you believe in your heart 
uh, you know, that uh, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, confess that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made to salvation. That's the principle right there. Joseph was doing the same thing. He was believing what God had said. He knew the promise to Abraham was, you'll spend 400 years in Egypt, but after that, I'll judge that nation. I'll bring you out with great substance. He believed that word and he declared it openly and said, pack my bones up and get ready to take them to Canaan because God's going to visit you and get you out. I've got the promise of God on that. Got the promise of God. I got to move on. I got to to hush. Hallelujah. So he expressed that 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 request expressed his faith. The reason explained his faith. Why did he believe that? Because of the promise. But then there was the result that happened that encourages our faith. See, Joseph took God at his word. Did God keep his word? Did he fulfill this promise for Joseph and for the children of Israel? Oh, yes, he did. We know the prophecy was fulfilled, that the promise of God was fulfilled. Because in Genesis 15, God told Abraham, not only would they live in a strange land, they'd also end up as servants, as slaves, and experience affliction in that land. We read in the book of Exodus where that was so. But God also told Abraham that they would dwell there for 400 years. And the chronology of their time spent in Egypt shows that that's how long they were there, right at 400 years. God's word is true. Are you hearing me? I mean, what he says is true. We've got to understand that. What he said would happen, happened just like it said. He said it would because God cannot lie. And ladies and gentlemen, that is always the case. The Word of God is always true. The Word of God is always reliable. The Word of God is always trustworthy. Let God be true and every man and every devil be a liar. This is the confidence that we can have when we take God in at his word to know he will keep his word. You can stand on it. You can anchor your faith in it because God will keep his word. His word is true. Every jot, every tittle is true tonight. Can I get an amen? amen. Woo! Amen. Billy Sunday, some of y'all familiar with who Billy Sunday was, great evangelist and a fiery preacher and very bold, won many people to the Lord. But Billy Sunday was, uh, he was, he was debating with an atheist one day and the atheist, you know, was making his claims and spouting off that, that the Bible was just a fairy tale that it wasn't true, that it didn't, there was no God. The Bible was, was, was nothing at all, meant nothing, that it, there was nothing in there that was true or factual. And that, um, that atheist said to Billy Sunday, said, said if, you can, if you can prove to me one verse in that Bible is true, then I would believe it. Billy Sunday just reached out and he grabbed that atheist by the nose 
and he twisted his nose just upside down. Well, when he did, blood just splattered everywhere. And the atheist looked at him and he's grabbing his nose and blood running through his hands. And the atheist said, what in the world did you do that for? And he said, well, I'm just proving the Bible's true. Proverbs 30, 33 says that the ringing of the nose brings forth blood. (laughs) Praise God. (laughs) Hallelujah. I'm telling you, the book is true tonight, saints of God. You can put your faith in the word of God. So the promise was fulfilled. The promise that God made to Abraham that they'd spend 400 years in in Egypt, they would be slaves, they would be afflicted. But God said at the end of that period of time, I will come down, I will judge that nation, and I will bring your people out with great substance. That was the promise of God. And Joseph put his whole entire faith in that and made them swear that when they left, not if they left, not if God happens, but when God will surely visit you because he said he would. And when he visits you, I want you to carry my bones out of this land and bury me in Canaan. And let me fast forward from the time of Joseph a few hundred years to Exodus 13 and 19. When, when Israel was getting ready, the plagues had came, the Passover lamb had been slain, the blood had been applied to the doorpost. Of, of the house, the firstborn of, of, of the Egyptians had been, had, had, had been slain at midnight and now they're getting ready to leave with great substance just as God said and Exodus 13 and 19 says and Moses took the bones of Joseph with him for he had straightly sworn the children of Israel saying God will surely visit you and you shall carry up my bones away hence with you. When they're packing up everything else getting ready several hundred years later to move out of Egypt Moses said grab the bones of Joseph let's carry them with us he made his family promise not to leave those bones we're leaving this place and Joseph is going with us come on somebody help me here tonight praise God woo hallelujah And guess what? For 40 years after they left Egypt, Israel wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And for 40 years, and everything they did, somebody was carrying a coffin. Woo, hallelujah. Somebody was carrying a coffin that had the bones of Joseph in that coffin. And on that day, 40, at the end of that 40 years in the wilderness, when they got ready to cross over that Jordan River and they went into that promised land and they claimed their inheritance, in the book of Joshua it says, Joshua 24 and 32, it says this, when they're in the land of Canaan, it says the bones of Joseph, which the children of Israel brought up out of Egypt, they buried there in Shechem. See, listen, what I'm trying to get across to you is that the promise to Joseph was carried out hundreds of years later after he made that declaration. See, Joseph had taken God at his word and years later he reaped the promise 
promise, the promise of God's Word. You may not always see the promise fulfilled immediately, but I'm telling you, if God has given you a promise and you'll stand on it, God will make it good. Just imagine them carrying those bones around for over 40 years, carrying a coffin, a box full of bones. I can hear a little boy asking his dad, Dad, what's in that box? Well, those are the bones of Joseph. Well, why are we carrying the bones of Joseph around? What do those bones mean? But it gave an opportunity then for them to say, well, God made a promise and Joseph believed the promise and Joseph made us promise that when God brought us out, we'd take his bones and bury them in the land of Canaan and we're carrying his bones. God's fulfilling his word. It was a testimony of faith. I'm looking at some folks tonight that we need to get a hold of the promise and believe God. Believe God for great things in our life. Would you stand with me tonight? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Well, praise God. Lord, we love you tonight. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your word. We thank you that we can depend upon your promises tonight. You'll never fail us. You'll never forsake us. You'll never let us down. And Lord, nobody, nobody has ever stood upon your promise and trusted your word that, has ever, that you have ever failed them. You have always proved true to everyone who would believe you. Oh God, I'm asking you tonight that you will strengthen the faith of everyone in this building, in this service tonight. Lord, as the disciples prayed and said, Lord, increase our faith. I pray tonight that you would do such for us, for your people. That, Lord, that you would help us to feed our faith more, to trust you more, to increase our faith, to rid our lives of every bit of doubt and wavering and distrust. God, we don't have any place in our life tonight for doubt or any unbelief. But God, fill us with a faith that comes from you. You've given to each one of us here tonight the measure of faith. But now let us take that measure and let us feed it on the Word. And let us exercise it every opportunity we get to stand on the promise and to believe your Word. And we will know that as we do that, you will carry us as well into the fulfillment of that promise, into your promised land of blessing and goodness for our life. Bless Abundant Life Family Church, Lord. Bless this church like you've never blessed us before. We're asking you for revival, for an outpouring of the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of the Lord to be rained down upon us like we've never experienced before for greater, a greater move of God. Oh, stir our hearts tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. They're going to play something tonight. As they do, I feel, I feel, oh, I feel something going here. Amen. I want, to, I want you all to come. Let's come around this front tonight. And let's lift our hands toward heaven. And if there's something in your life 
that something that you're believing God for, you come tonight and you make that declaration. Lord, you've promised it in your word and I'm standing on that.